Saints. I would like to continue this series this morning. Pastor Josh and I actually put a list together, and there were so many that this was not difficult to just pick up right where we left off and continue this series, Everyday Saints, Faithfulness in the Day Today. Now, the theme text, if you have your notes, go ahead and pull those out. Those will be at the top of your notes. And then, of course, what we've been doing in every message series, we've been doing something really fun, which is a challenge. In this case, it's the Everyday Saints Challenge. And what this does, if you text the number there on the screen, if you text the word saints to that number, you will be then put into a sort of a mailing list through text message where you'll receive text messages with links to videos, to articles, and some supplemental scriptures. That way you can continue to study throughout the week as you uh, take the steps that God is leading you to take. So if you want to join us in that challenge, I encourage you to do so. You can follow the prompts there as well. And if you're more tech savvy, and of course, if you're watching online and you want to have notes available to you, you can get on version. You can download version in any of the app stores. And when you do that, all you need to do is go to more, which is at the bottom of your home screen there. And then you can click on events. And once you click on events, it will recognize your location and what time it is. You can, you can go ahead and click on that 11 a.m. service and you'll have your notes available to you there. So let's go ahead and jump in. I'm excited. I believe no matter where the church meets, God still meets with the church. Amen. And so we have an opportunity to dive in and to continue to take next steps in our journey with God. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 is where we will begin. It says, though outwardly we are wasting away our physical bodies, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So spiritually, God is renewing us in the journey with him. And then in Acts 17, 17, it says he, referring to Paul, went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. And so that's what this message series is all about. It's about taking what God has given to us, being faithful with what God gives us, and take it into the day today. See, I believe that the Lord has placed us in the families, the school districts, the businesses, the programs, the office buildings that we are in for a divine purpose. I don't believe it's by accident that you are the person that you are and you're with the people you are with. I believe God is not a God of coincidence. He intentionally places his people into situations and invites his spirit into those situations so that you can do something amazing for him as an everyday person, do something extraordinary for God. I believe living for Jesus isn't just something that we get to do as a compartment of our lives. I believe it's something that God's calling us to do every single day. I believe living for Jesus should be the centerpiece of our lives. So we've been looking at men and women in the Bible who don't usually get a lot of airtime, but they are heroes nonetheless, heroes in the faith, and they have things that they can teach us in a big, big way. They're everyday people, God-fearing people, just like us. But they do extraordinary things to advance the kingdom of God. And so today I want to look at a man named Nathan. Nathan is a prophet, and he is a prophet during the reign of King David in Israel. I'm sure you've heard of King David. At least maybe you have heard of David and Goliath. This is the same David. David grows up to be king. I believe he's age 30 when he takes the throne. And I believe he serves for 40 years something like that. And King David is known to be one of the greatest kings in Israel. He does a great job. And despite his human error, despite his flawedness, he is called a man after God's own heart. And that's so refreshing to me to know that as a human, as a, as a failing human being, God still 
can call me a man after his own heart. And that's who he calls David. David's greatness is shown through his weakness and his vulnerability. His mistakes were detrimental to him and his family. However, his mistakes did not define him. He did not allow his mistakes to define him. He is known both by his good decisions and his bad decisions. And I'm sure you've heard of a few of the mistakes David made along with some of the successes that he had. One day during his reign, he messed up in a big way. The Bible says that it was in the springtime and as he was standing in his, in his palace when most kings would have been away at war with his, with his army, he was back home in the palace. And as he looked out, he saw a beautiful woman bathing. Her name was Bathsheba. And he lusts after her and he calls out for her, sends people to get her. They bring her in. He sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant. And he then begins to cover it up, makes one bad decision after another, after another, after another. It's a downward spiral. And I'm so thankful to know that even in our mess ups, God sends a message to us. And God can redeem our past mistakes. And so the Lord sends a messenger to him named Nathan. So Nathan is this prophet, and he's mostly known for what he does in this crazy time in David's life where he desperately needs a word from God. God chooses the man, Nathan, to step in and to make a decision to speak truth into David's life and really helps lead him back to repentance. And so we'll pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 12 where Nathan begins to give this truth, this word to David. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 12, and we'll read verses 1 through 12, it says, So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle, but the poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children and ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. I don't know if that's cute or gross. It says that he let this lamb drink from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. Somebody say, aw. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious when he heard this. He says, as surely as the Lord lives, he vowed any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife from this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking your eyes wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. So a massive truth bomb is dropped in front of David's lap, delivered by the prophet of God named Nathan. 
So not only did David mess up once, but he continued to mess up as he tried to cover up his tracks. And he even goes from adultery to murder. And God knows this is all happening, but he lovingly sends a message to him through the man, Nathan, who boldly speaks into his life and leads him back to where he needs to be. See, God specifically chose Nathan, specifically chose an everyday saint, someone who was obedient to the Lord, someone who was ready to speak boldly on his behalf, to go and reprimand the king of Israel. But what's interesting is the way that Nathan speaks this truth lays out a path that you and I can take to practice the same biblical boldness in the situation that God invites us into. See, biblical boldness is this. It is acting with conviction when there is reason not to. Now, if I'm Nathan, I'm scared. I don't know, it doesn't say if Nathan was scared, but if it were me and God gave me this truth and I'm about to approach the king and say what I'm about to say, I would be fearful. I would be a little bit nervous about how he would respond if he found out I know what he doesn't think anybody knows. So biblical boldness is acting with conviction, that burning desire to share truth into a situation, knowing, though, that when we take a stance for what we believe, we must anticipate pushback. We need to be brave and bold. We need to know that we will eventually get pushback when we take a stance for our beliefs. And that's okay. Boldness requires bravery, but you and I can be brave. The Spirit of God can be upon us and make us brave. But there's a big difference between loudness and boldness. There's a big difference. I think a lot of times, especially in our culture, we mistake boldness for just loudness. Being blunt, brash, and rude with your opinion is not boldness. Sometimes it's just ugliness. Just being loud and then getting pushed back does not necessarily define being bold. In order to practice biblical boldness, we must ask certain questions and take the approach that Nathan took as a prophet of God. See, he's given this word from the Lord. I know that when he receives this truth, he has the burning desire to share it, but he does so in a godly way. I believe God's given us one of the, God has given us the greatest message of all time. And we need to declare that message, the message of the gospel, with boldness, knowing that there is a right way and a wrong way to be bold. So we see from Nathan, this prophet, the ways that we can practice biblical boldness. The first question that we have to ask is, is God in this situation? Is God in this? See, we get the opportunity as soon as God gives us a truth, as soon as God invites us into a situation, we get the opportunity then to meet with God. Whether it's on our behalf or on the behalf of someone else, when we're invited into the situation, our responsibility is then to invite the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit into that situation, into our life, our relationships, and our circumstances. We have to ask ourselves this question. Is what I'm about to defend or proclaim something that aligns with the heart of the Father? Because if it doesn't align with the heart of the Father, do we really want to be bold in that moment? The way I like to say it is, I do not want to speak to somebody else 
what God, what I feel God would not speak to me. I, I do not want to speak into someone's life something that I didn't think God would speak to me. The, the way we say it this way is the way my parents said it to me, and it's the way me and my wife say it to our children. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I'm sure you're familiar with that statement. If you don't have anything nice to say, then just keep your mouth shut, please. But it is possible to address sin, to drop truth, right, to give truth without being offensive. It's possible. Some of the nicest things people have ever done for me is to point out my shortcomings, my blind spots, and sometimes my blatant sin. I will never forget in sixth grade, I had begun to make a couple of bad decisions, several bad decisions right after another. I was in sixth grade, I was becoming more and more curious with the world, and I was beginning to ask questions and try to discover things. And I remember as a sixth grade boy, I spent a lot more time flirting with the girls in my class than paying attention to what was being taught in school. My grades began to slip. I began to see that the friends I was choosing were not really helping me, they were hurting me. And I began to make some terrible decisions. And I'll never forget when the principal noticed that I was making these bad decisions, observing from the outside, inviting me into his office. And I was terrified because I really was a pretty good kid. And to be invited into the principal's office meant my parents were gonna find out. I'm sitting across the desk from the principal. His name is Mr. Amon, and I'll never forget. He looks across the desk and he looks right in my eyes and he says, Corey, this is not who you are. And I'll never forget those words spoken to me what was he saying? He was not belittling me. He was not coming down harshly on me, but he was speaking truth directly to me. He was giving me the opportunity to realize that who I was acting like was not who God intended for me to be. He was giving me truth, but he was doing so in a nice way, not an offensive way, but he was giving me truth. He was letting me take on the opportunity of not letting my mistakes define me. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, we see that Nathan clearly asked that question, is God in this? And of course, we, we find the answer because it says the Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to tell David this story. It says he sent Nathan, the Lord sent Nathan. So Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 says, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. When God has given you a word, when God has given you truth, when you believe in something so strongly and have the desire to share it, we must trust in the Lord and find out his will for what we need to do. He will show us which path to take. The next question we need to ask is, is this the right time? Once we ask if God is in it and we feel like God is in this situation, we still have to follow up with the question of, when? Is this the right time for me to be bold? I, I hope you know this, that if, if God is in the situation, then his timing is perfect. And that means that he is partnering with you and is ready to guide you to take the action when it's necessary to take action. If we back up just a little bit and we get to kind of see the end, towards the end of what I described as one of David's most terrible mistakes, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 26, it says that when Uriah's wife heard what her, that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. 
when the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the place, and she became one of his wives, to the palace, and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. See, Nathan receives this word of what David did. He tries to cover up his sin, and he ends up sending her husband to the front lines so that he would be killed. He goes from an adultery to a murderer, but God does not give up on David. He sends Nathan to give him the word, but Nathan speaks with boldness after a period of time has passed. After at least 30 days, which was tradition in this time for the grieving process to take place, about a month passes before Nathan decides to step in and to begin to speak truth. During this time, David pens these words in Psalms. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. See, just because Nathan was not talking, it did not mean God was not working. God was already working in the situation. God was already moving in David's heart and he was coming to a moment of repentance. Sometimes it's in the waiting that God begins to do his best work in our hearts, amen? Never underestimate the power of silence and solitude. Just because God gives us truth and we should be bold with that truth does not mean every time is the right time to be bold. Sometimes the waiting is worth it. So we ask those questions. The next question we ask is, is this the right place? Just like God gives us the right timing to be bold, there is a right destination. There is a right place and platform by which we can be bold. God helps us with the when. He can help us with the where. There is a right time and a right place to be bold biblically. This is especially important when God gives us a truth and we feel the need to respond spiritually to a brother or sister, whether they have sinned or someone has sinned against them, and we feel the desire to step in and respond. After we ask those questions, Jesus tells us what the best approach would be. He says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Jesus goes on to say that there's ways that you can continue this process if they do not respond to that, but it's always where you start. When you're ready to be bold with a truth, especially referring to someone in regards to someone, a brother, a sister, a loved one, a child, whatever it may be, there is the right time and there is the right place. And this is what Nathan does. He waits for the right moment to step in. Another way to look at this question is to ask, is this really the platform that I want to take to be bold? For example, is social media really the only place that you are bold? I ask myself this question because for me, it's very easy to be bold by liking or posting or sharing something on Facebook or Instagram. That's easy. It's easy to raise awareness about bullying. It's much harder to step in and stop the bully in your school. It's easy to raise awareness about drug and alcohol addiction. It's a lot harder to step into someone's life who's hurting, have the conversation, have the hard, the hard conversation, to step in and to put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, and be ready to lead and guide them back to repentance. It's easy to be bold with a touchscreen 
but I'm talking about being bold in the here and now, in the physical relationships that you have, the tangible things as well. See, we like to take to social media sometimes to complain about certain things, and then in reality, we're not doing much good to stop it. I believe Christians are better than that. I believe God's calling us by his spirit to step up and to be bold in the right place. Of course, I want everyone with the message that we have to be bold everywhere, including social media, but that cannot be the only place we are bold. We cannot simply be bold on a computer screen or a phone screen, but yet not be stirring up the presence of God in our homes and being bold to put a stop to the sin that's creeping into our very own front door. Amen? In the next question, which is the last question we really need to ask before we proceed with boldness is, is this the right way? Is this the right way? There is a correct method by which we need to be bold. Is this the right method for me to express my view, my opinion, my perspective? I believe you can have God leading you. You can be in the right moment, God's timing, be in the right place. But if you approach the individual or the audience in the wrong way, they will not hear a word you say. We've all been there. We've all experienced that. Or worse, they're only going to hear what they want to hear. Have you ever said something to somebody and they took it completely different than the way you intended it? It's called a misunderstanding, right? It, it happens to the best of us. I'm sure if you've been a part of our church family very long, you've heard of one of our friends, Jim Bob. Jim Bob is a guy we like to joke a lot about. Jim Bob and Bubba, one day, they ride to work together. And, of course, on the way home, Bubba's driving the truck. Jim Bob usually falls asleep on the way home, but this time he's pretty uh, awake and perky. And he tells Bubba, hey, before we get home, go ahead and stop at that flower shop up there on the right. I need to stop and get something. And Bubba says, okay. You know, Jim Bob's not really the, the flower type of guy, but if he wants some flowers, he'll stop. So he pulls the truck in and... Jim Bob hops out and he runs in there and comes back out with this beautiful bouquet of flowers. Just beautiful. And, you know, being buddies, naturally, Bubba says, oh, are those for me? Jim Bob says, no. He said, I, I forgot my wife's birthday last year and she was furious. And she told me I better plan at least two months in advance next time. So I'm happy to tell you, Bubba, in eight weeks is my wife's birthday, and I already got her present. Right here's these flowers. She's going to love these here flowers. Not what he meant at all. <laughs> it's a simple misunderstanding, right? Sometimes we need to recognize the audience of who we're talking to. Maybe Jim Bob's wife will explain it a little bit different next time. Sometimes it's not what we say, right? It's how we say it. Sometimes you get into an argument maybe with your spouse or your best friend and, and you realize that is not even what I meant to say. I don't know why you were offended by that. And they might, they might say something like it was the way you approach the situation that made all the difference. In Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, it says this. It says, do to others whatever you would like them do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. It's the golden rule. Amen. If we would filter our approach to being bold through this lens, through the lens of Scripture, I can imagine the, the enormous impact we would be making on people to deliver truth with boldness in the right way. In other words, knowing that 
the way I would like to receive truth is the way I should probably share truth. And if I'm about to share truth that I myself would not receive well, then maybe I need to reapproach this differently. And the next thing we need to do then is to follow through with courage and with conviction. See, as we ask these questions, if you're like me, sometimes we can start to chicken out. We can start to say, I want to be bold, but I'm not sure I want to put in the effort to ask all of those questions. And those questions are there to be a filter with our boldness. And we should be bold. We should strive to be bold with the message God has given us. We must then follow through with courage and conviction and then to leave the outcome in God's hands. This is the moment where we must make the decision to carry out what God has given each of us. He's specifically spoken into our lives, given us the message of reconciliation. We need to know if God is in this, is this the right time, the right place, and the right method, the right way by which I'm choosing to communicate this and ask ourselves, is this something I would receive well and then carry forward? That way you and I can be like Nathan, the prophet, and make an eternal difference in the lives of those around us with our biblical boldness. Truth is, We all want to stand for something. We all want to stand for the truth, the things we believe, the things we hold dearly, our convictions, and to do so courageously. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, I want to encourage you with this verse. It says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And this is the encouragement I want to offer to you today, to be bold to be courageous, to be strong with the message that God has given you. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The truth is we are all fighting for something. We're fighting for our families. Many of us have fought for our country. We fought to protect each other. Let's stop fighting against each other. We can be bold without fighting each other. As a matter of fact, Maslow's hierarchy of needs describes the number one need, which is self-actualization, to reach our potential and to leave a legacy. Every single human being is born with that need to live for something that will outlive us. And I'm here to tell you that thing is the message of Jesus Christ. The thing that will last forever, the eternal life that each one of us have the opportunity to take part in. We all want to leave a legacy of truth and of passion and of conviction. We want to be remembered for what we believed in. Today, we get the opportunity to commit to be bold with the message of truth in a biblical way, to be bold with our faith in the day today. Would you stand with me as we close? Today, I would like us to commit or recommit our lives to Jesus Christ as the first step towards boldly proclaiming that very message. I would like to pray with us. And then, of course, there are plenty of opportunities for you to respond here today. Prayer and communion is available here at the front. And, of course, in your notes, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, Ask yourself the question, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Each one of us, God is going to speak specifically to us. 
But let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. And God, you are calling us to take the next step. And Lord, we want to take the next step of biblical boldness with the truth that you have spoken to us. God, we're ready to step forward, to step out in faith. God, we're asking that you will make us brave, that by your spirit, you will help us to be courageous with our convictions, to follow through, God, after we have asked the right questions. God, we are ready to hear a word from you and proclaim it in the day-to-day. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...